What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, raid line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Could I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch, claw, up against the wall. Can't explain that what I'm feeling right now, guys. Let's open up that raid Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USC is... Going to do the same thing again year after year. Oh no! Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Random Troy Radio. This is a mailbag episode coming to you during the NFL draft. We are recording it before day two begins, so keep that in mind here as we get into the questions. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Random Troy. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Random Troy. Be sure to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast, Google Play, and Spreaker. Our bonus episodes are on Patreon, patreon.com slash Random Troy. Our email address is randomtroy at fansider.com. And our phone number is 213-373-1USC. Suck it, what's brewing show? I totally nearly forgot at that time. <laughs> uh, from the Random Troy Radio studios in Los Angeles, I'm your host, Michael Casillo, Jello, my co-host, Alicia Deratola. Hello, everybody. Hello, Alicia. We're recording this on Friday before the second round begins. So keep that in mind when you get to some of these questions. And we don't know quite yet where Michael Pittman is going. Uh, a quick little draft recap if you uh, are not paying attention. The first round had Austin Jackson get picked number 18 overall to the Miami Dolphins. And USC loses the first round all-time uh, pick record. Uh, they had they had owned it for years and years and years. Ohio State tied it last year, and then the Buckeyes had three picks last night, and USC only had one. Michael Pittman looked like he was going to get picked potentially in the second round. There's a uh, at potentially the end of the first round when there was a run uh, with wide receivers, but he was not selected. And we presume he'll be taken at some point tonight, Friday night, in round two. Yeah, and, and we expect him to go early on uh, in the draft. So sometime in the second round, I would be extremely surprised if he dropped out of the second round. But, you know, stranger things have happened. So we'll be on Michael Pittman watch, uh, you know, four o'clock when we get there. But for now, we're just looking at uh, the draft as a whole, I think, and answering your questions. That's right. Uh, as always, you can follow us on Twitter at Troy. 
uh, for all of our latest content, but it's Patreon where you have to go for all of our bonus content, patreon.com slash of Troy. We got a ton of stuff coming to you, including daily draft recaps. We posted a recap on Thursday night after the first round. There'll be another one Friday night after the second round and third round, and then as well on uh, Saturday night after everything kind of settles down to wrap up the NFL draft. Also, this week's Core Time Let's Take It Inside episode looks at the first season of Breaking Bad as me and Alicia have started to binge watch uh, arguably the greatest show of all time. I mean, the first season is is outstanding. The first seven episodes outstanding. It's a Breaking Bad newbie. I quite enjoyed it, and I quite enjoyed talking about it, too. So good conversation about the show, about Walter White, who is the worst, and uh, about everyone else. You mean Skylar White, who is the worst, but... I mean, Skylar's not the greatest Anyways. either, but, like, <laughs> for all the hate that Skylar gets, like, let's just be honest. I have strong feelings about Walter White, who is an amazing character, but also the worst. And you can hear those over on Patreon, patreon.com slash Reign of Troy. We get all of our bonus episodes for a little five fifty-five a month. For 10 bucks, you get to join the Slack channel and get to talk to us as much as you'd like. Uh, if you don't want any bonus content, but you hate ads, you can join us for three thirty-three and get all of our main shows and all of our mailbags ad-free. So without further ado, let's get to the mailbag now. All right, Alicia, we got a question from Top Trojan Fan. With Austin Jackson being drafted number 18 overall by Miami, what effect do you think this will have on recruiting? Also, does Tim Drebno get to put his feather in his cap just because he had a lineman drafted in the first round? Well, absolutely. Coaches definitely add that to their resume. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> my, You guys have heard me talk about Austin Jackson already. Uh, great guy, great person promising football player but USC never got the most out of him that, that that is possible and I don't necessarily know that that's a slight against Tim Drevno I just would say if Tim Drevno were, were being hired by another school and they tried to come at me and say well he's produced a NFL first rounder well Austin Jackson came to USC as a prototypical NFL first rounder and he left it the same so I'd, I, I wouldn't necessarily put a feather in Tim Drevno's cap but he is well within his rights to to do so because that's you know every coach's resume includes so and so was so and so was an all american or or a um nfl draft pick or whatever and a lot of those don't really matter anyways but that's that's the way it goes i mean as i've said before i think austin jackson got there based on his potential which he had when he was a 17 year old high school student yeah, Drevno had Austin Jackson really for about a year and a half, season and a half. Um, th- he had him for 2019. 2018, he takes over midseason after Neil Calloway was, uh, you know, relieved of his duties. So I don't know how much Drevno can say. I, I think if you're if you're Drevno, I think you can make the argument, hey, we got him drafted. We didn't hurt his draft stock. Um, if the, If he didn't develop enough, I didn't have enough time to do it. But either way, Drevno's going to say, look, you come to SC, we get first round rounders all the time. Look, case in point, uh, Austin Jackson. And heck, you could even make the argument like Austin Jackson wasn't even 
a superstar lineman at USC and he still went in the first round. What can you do? I think there's always something, uh, always some way you can spin this uh, for recruiting and Tim Drebno will find it, whatever it is, um, along with, you know, anybody else on, on that recruiting staff, uh, Gavin Morris and, and so on. USC is absolutely going to use this to their advantage. Uh, Top Trojan fan also says with Ohio State taking over the record for most first round picks, what does that show how far the program has fallen in the last five or six years when they had a commanding lead? I, I think there's two things to look at here. One, I, I and I know that SC fans, I think the, the instinct is, is just to um, self-blame and, and to point all the finger at Clay Helton, point all the finger at the talent that USC had th- this past decade. But I think you need to take a second and, and recognize the incredible run at producing talent that Ohio State had. Uh, even if SC was producing first-rounders on the regular one or two a season, Ohio State would have closed the gap anyways. Uh, I mean, was it last year that they had four first-rounders? This year they had three. Those are incredible numbers. It's hard to keep up with that period, no matter what USC was doing. That said, SC has had a knack for having, you know, elite talent go in this second round. Uh, Judas Smith-Schuster, Marquise Lee. Robert Woods, guys who I think everyone thought would be first-round talents go in the second round. I think that if you're able to get those guys to go earlier, you keep that record. If you're able to get more out of, uh, you know, if you if you have better luck, Michael Pittman's a first-rounder, right? If you had a few more recruiting wins, uh, Tua Tagovailoa's there, right? Uh, Javon Kinlaw's there. Uh, it's not like there's guys that are getting drafted who, you know, don't have a shot to get there. I think that I think there's a lot of factors here. One of them is that Ohio State is producing talent at an absurd rate. Just right up there with Alabama at that I don't think that, you know, not even the Pete Carroll era was that consistent. Uh, cer- certainly the closest thing USC has had in a while to that. But it's absurd how much talent they're, they're churning out. I mean, the top three guys... All went to Ohio State, uh, and they don't even get credit for Joe Burrow, right? That is that that's wild. SC hasn't had that kind of thing since the the '60s, um, so it's pretty incredible what Ohio State is is sort of putting together. But yeah, part of it is SC hasn't gotten the most out of their guys. Uh, they've had a couple of key recruiting losses that certainly could have helped. And you put all these factors together, and it makes it difficult now because now SC not only needs to catch Ohio State, but need to keep up with them to get that record back. But this is also about the ebb and flow of things. You know, Ohio State wasn't producing draft picks at the rate that USC was and, you know, in the Pete Carroll era. And USC isn't producing draft picks the way that Urban Meyer is at this stage. Um, like Like you mentioned, the only thing that USC can do is control how many they're producing. And quite frankly, a lot of the guys that should have been in the first round range weren't because USC isn't a national power right now. And a lot of the, you know, USC had a lot of guys go in the first round during the Pete Carroll time because they were developed and they got to be, you know, a national power that everyone was turning to. Alabama's producing tons of first round picks right now. Clemson's producing first round picks. So that's really what it comes down to is if USC takes care of its business at the college level, the NFL will will take notice. Um, You don't, 
not succeed at the college level and still produce the volume of first round picks that Ohio State has produced. Uh, that that's just it's a, there. There's a give and take for sure about. Um, I, not not a give and take. There's a a relationship between how good USC is as a program and how good uh, the the talent that USC is putting out there for evaluation to the NFL. Uh, and so you fix that. You fix the the first rounders problem by going out and competing for national titles. Because the dudes that compete for national titles are the dudes who are going to get extra looks in the first round. Yeah. By the way, I just pulled up Walter Football's twenty twenty one mock draft really quick. Two Buckeyes in that in the first round next year, cornerback uh, Sean Wade, and then obviously quarterback uh, Justin Fields, who's going pretty early. But uh, one Trojan in there, and I'm curious if you could guess that Trojan. The one Trojan in there. Um, hmm. Let's see. I, I mean, I would I would immediately go to Alvin Ross St. Brown, but I could see why he wouldn't be. I would immediately go to Talano Hufanga, but I also see why he wouldn't be. So I'm left thinking... It's neither one of those guys. Jay Tufele? Jay Tufele, number yeah. 32, to the Chiefs. This yeah, says, well, but- see, that's the thing is if USC, let's say, let's say that USC plays their 2020 season in full. If USC puts together a national title run in 2020, which, it sure, even, far-fetched. To, it doesn't even have to be that. But if, if it's... A conference championship or a playoff run, Play- right? If USC goes to the playoff in 2020 and they have guys like Talano Havanga, J2 Fele, um, uh, who else did I mention? Uh, Amon Ra. Amon Ra St. Brown, even Tyler Vons. I don't think Tyler Vons will ever be a first rounder just because he doesn't I have I think the, the other guy you can throw in there is Elijah Vera Tucker. Yeah, Elijah Vera Tucker. If they have a lot of success, you could imagine a world where USC is producing five guys who you could see three of them going in the first round. Sure. If they play, if they sure. do it right, but at the same time, USC could go on a playoff run, and it turns out that none of those guys are first round talents because there are too many guys at their position ahead of them, like the Michael Pittman situation or right. all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, think of just this draft. Michael Pittman doesn't go in the first round because there's a stupid number of receivers in this draft. Meanwhile, Ohio State gets their third first rounder out of a, the, a reach of all reach from the Raiders for a corner that was going to a nickel corner that was going to be available in the third round, like. You can't. <laughs> you... If you, if you sim this draft, more likely than not, I think both teams end up with two picks. Yeah. So, and that's the thing is, this is the ebb and flow of sometimes you're going to win some and sometimes you're going to lose some, and USC is going to hopefully be in a back and forth with Ohio State for the foreseeable future. Where USC falls flat is if they allow Ohio State to take their own commanding lead, which sure. is entirely possible too, because if USC yeah. continues continues on the trajectory they've been on, then that is absolutely what will happen. Yeah, and that's the thing. You, you look at the guys that, that SC has right now, Hufanga, uh, Pallier Naoteote, right? Um, Amon Ra, uh, Elijah Vera Tucker, Jay Tufele. All those guys could potentially be first-round picks if everything goes right. But they also could be guys who either come back for their senior season or end up being fourth-rounders because that's what we've seen out of this decade for USC. Uh, and the other thing... Alicia, who's the best lineman in college football right now? The best lineman? Penay Sewell? Penay Sewell. Uh, that's a recruiting loss. Someone USC absolutely wanted. Someone they lost to Oregon. Oh, you better He's believe... He's projected to, go, to be the number, number two pick. Justin Flo could be a guy who ends up being a top pick. Bryce Young could end up being a guy who, who is a top all pick. All those guys, yeah. Yeah, so again, you fix recruiting. You fix the 
performance on the field and you will see the NFL dividends in the draft. Yeah, uh, completely. Uh, let's go to an email we got from Jonathan. Hey guys, which player has the distinction of being the only winner of the Heisman, the national championship in college football, uh, the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl MVP, and the NFL MVP? Also, ESPN's FPI has USC's probability versus each team this upcoming season. They are favored, but all but two games, Oregon and Alabama. With that being said, is this USC's floor this upcoming season? Is it 10-2 and two for the regular season? Best, Yonatan. Uh, I don't think that's USC's floor. I think, that's, if anything, that's closer to USC's ceiling. Um, I guess maybe you split those. Maybe the, the ultimate ceiling, ceiling is splitting, is splitting those yeah. and winning everything else, right? But... um. Realistically, I think that's closer to USC ceiling because there's going to be a team that that in those other ten games that's better than you think, right? Like that's just historically how it is. And there's also going to be a game in which SC struggles, uh, and part of that's a Clay Elton thing, and part of that's uh, this is USC and that's what they always do thing, right? How many times did you see Pete Carroll struggle against Oregon State or or, or whatnot, right? So uh, I I think ten and two is closer to the ceiling. I think the ceiling actually is like eleven or one. The floor is something like seven and five. Uh, but to get to Jonathan's question, the only winner of the Heisman national title, Super Bowl, Super Bowl MVP, and NFL MVP, who is it? Uh, I fully admit, I, when you asked me this originally, I guessed um, someone else because I, I wasn't sure if it was definitely a USC person. But if, if I had been told I had to be between a USC person, I would have definitely guessed the right answer, which is Marcus Allen. Yeah, I, I it all makes sense. I didn't previously know that. I think mostly because I didn't picture Marcus Allen as an NFL MVP. Well, I knew that he was great in the NFL. I just couldn't be certain if he was a Super Bowl MVP. Oh, I knew that. Which I, was obvious now that I think about it. Like, See, my but, life, my childhood was spent watching NFL films, Super Bowl, um, the, the Super Bowl shows. And so I've seen every one of those, like with the Sables, like two or three times. And so that iconic run of Marcus where he goes backwards and wheels around against the Redskins burned into my memory. Right, but at the same time, like, I've seen that iconic run, but just because you had that iconic run doesn't mean you were the, the MVP. Like, sure. Super Bowl MVPs can be a little bit just random sometimes. So, you know, it's good pull, though. A- awesome stat to throw out there. That's an amazing stat. Yeah, and going back to recruiting, something that SC absolutely would want to make a focus of uh, while they're recruiting uh, let's go to a Twitter question we got from the 12-pack radio. How's the interior of that defensive line looking for USC this year? Uh, you know, we were just talking about J.J. Fale, someone who could potentially go as a first-rounder. USC's defensive line is so intriguing because they have the talent and they have the pieces to be the best in the conference. You know, be on par with with Oregon's front seven, right? Like, they they can be so damn good if everything comes together. And it just, like, they just haven't been able to put everything together. I mean, uh, this is the last hurrah for for these guys, like like Marlon Tuipolotu, Jay Chifale. Like, like what are they going to be able to put together um, along with Drake Jackson in a new defense, um, you know, 
Peely's back. There, there's, there's the talents there. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know that we're going to know until the fall. And that's the most frustrating thing is that USC should be going into the season feeling uber confident about that defensive line on the interior. When you have Tufele and Mar and Tupelotu and and Peely, and you add in some intriguing other other guys who could fill in the depth there, um, like Kobe Pepe, like Trevor Trout, if if he ever comes comes good, Drake Jackson um, off the edge. I mean Drake Jackson off the edge. There's there's <laughs> that defensive line is stocked from a recruiting standpoint. Like right. USC didn't miss out on a ton of defensive linemen that they've gone for for that interior. They got the guys that they needed to get. So they need to to now live up to what they're what they're going to be. Now, this past year, I think they were good, but they weren't great. They didn't elevate to the level that I thought they could be. Part of that you can attribute to there were some injury problems. Part of it you can you can attribute to the defense never really figured itself out schematically or um, play calling and the linebackers were awful and the edges were bad and all the coaching on the defensive line on the defense it just none of it none of it seemed to gel whether that was a deficiency of coaching or a deficiency of scheme or a deficiency of players or whatever it was nothing seemed to work out and no one seemed to have any answers well you go into this year you have Vic Soto you have the new scheme you have new linebackers coach you have new sort of figuring out what your whole defense is going to be. Maybe they all put it together and they're able to then elevate to that next level. But USC really needs them to elevate to that next level. On the plus side, if you're looking at defensive lines in the in the Pac-12, I think that a lot of people would look at it and say, I'd have I'd take USC's defensive line in a, in a heartbeat, potential and all, um, knowing that they might not live up to what you hope out of them. But that's a good group of guys. So I'm not yeah, worried I mean, about USC's defensive line in terms of the personnel. I'm worried yeah. about how are they going to get that personnel to all work at a high level within the scheme. Right? Yes. Because we, we've seen flashes from J.C. Fellow. We've seen flashes from Tui Pelotu. We've seen flashes from Peely. We just haven't seen the consistency there. And, you know, Drake Jackson last year had a solid freshman campaign, uh, similar to what Everson Griffin did in 2007. But you need to see, you, you expect him to grow, but you expect him to grow just as everyone else is consistent. Uh, this is year four on campus for Jay Tufele, Marlon Tuipolotu, and Brandon Peely. It, it's time to be consistent, right? Uh, it, it's not time to still see what gets put together, but yet that's where we are uh, with with this new defense that, that USC is going to be putting together. So I, I don't know. I, I think that, you know, I think the biggest indictment for this defensive line is they should have been the they should have been the the strength on USC's defense last year, the front seven as a whole, and they weren't. And that they weren't, and that the the secondary was far better, at least on the eye test consistently, than the front seven is a major indictment when we went into last season talking about how the secondary was going to potentially be a problem for USC because they were so young. And the, and you had guys coming off of injury like I, I, IPM and Hufanga. How were they able to put everything together? They never practiced in the spring and all this kind of stuff. And the secondary was very good last year. Very good, all things considered. And the defensive line was okay at best. And they needed to be better than okay. Now, yeah. again, in the defensive line's... 
to come into their defense, I wonder how good we might perceive them to be if USC's linebackers had been if, had had been yeah. even slightly. If Ote Ote uh, didn't have a have a poor. I mean, you, this is the worst linebacker performance from USC across the board. Like the lowest performing linebacker group that I can remember ever in my time watching USC. Like, was there a more meh, bleh, bleh, not, not, uh, not valuable linebacker core at USC in in your memory, Michael? I mean, yours goes back further, but I, I mean, this is- maybe like two thousand nine, but like two thousand nine when you had like uh, Michael Morgan and you had uh, Malcolm Smith. The the problem with those guys is that they weren't Cushing. And Maoluga and Mayava and and Clay Matthews. They were a step below, but yeah, I'd have but taken all of those guys this year. Sure, yeah. This past year, so and that's the thing is maybe the defensive line suffered from the front seven being deficient, as opposed to the the defensive line itself. And, and, and I don't vice know. Versa. I mean, every yeah. time you would talk to Chad K, it would be the the mindset of, well, we're we're doing our job. Uh, it, it's it's setting the edge that that's the problem. Uh, and then Notre Dame completely gashed them up the middle. So yeah, so, so you, you, we can defend the defense, but also uh, they there were bad bad moments for them, absolutely. Yeah. And that's hopefully, I mean, that that's a big turnaround that USC needs to to bring around. But on the plus side, again, you have the personnel there. Like it's not like USC needs to go out and get a grad transfer defensive lineman. They have the guys. Yeah, one one thousand uh, percent. They have those guys. Uh, let's go to a tweet from Sal of Troy. Uh, Sal, Dallas of Troy, I can't read. Uh, which player would you draft, not for the NFL, for something other than football? Who would you pick? Uh, I guess the question would be, what is the something other? So my first thought was, and I'm and I'm assuming we're talking about USC's guys, yep. right? Yep. Okay, so my first thought was, we're dealing with Drew Richmond and Austin Jackson, who are big dudes. We're dealing with John Houston and Michael Pittman. Are we only talking about draft eligible guys? Oh, are we talking draft el- Ooh, are we talking in general? Because that changes everything for me. Because then you take Drake London as your basketball player? Uh, well, I mean, in theory, you take Drake London as your basketball player, but I'm actually looking more at... Uh, Keenan Kristen on my Keenan, track and field Keenan, team. Keenan Kristen on my soccer team. Soccer team? Yeah. Keenan Chris put him out on the wing. Soccer is the great equalizer in that if you are fast, it doesn't matter if you're small. Um, you know. No, yeah, but but if you're fast and you can't control the ball on your foot. Well, I mean, all of these guys would. Ha- I need to find out who's played soccer in their life. Like that would be something that I that I'd want to consider. But not knowing the background of all of these guys, take Keenan Kristen's speed, put him on your soccer team, and you're probably going to do okay. My other thought was. Um, you know, do I take like Pali and Aoteote and put him on a rugby team? Like that wouldn't be the actually know what you know what I do? I take uh I take like Vi Malapai or, or Marquis Step and put him on a rugby team. Like that's that would be there pretty pretty step, okay. Step step in rugby. Yeah. Would, would be solid. Uh I am gonna I'm gonna take though um Michael Pittman and I'm gonna play Michael Pittman in Aussie rules. Oh, that's a good that's a good call. He's I don't know that he's tall enough, but he's still but he's, tall. He's he's tall, he's built, he's quick. I mean, yes. he's he's not like a blazer, but he ran a 452. Like that's fast he enough. He can win one-on-ones. He can go up high to, yep. to 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 catch 
to catch passes. Like, he, he can battle with people. He's physical. And and you know how much he loves to play special teams. So yeah. He loves being that guy. The, the thing about Michael Pittman is that he is very much like Juju, where he's a defensive guy at heart. Yes. Which means that he's got tenacity. He's kind of like the opposite of, say, um, I, I don't know. who's the, I don't know. I can't think of a total opposite because every, any person I think of uh, doesn't necessarily qualify there. Maybe the opposite of like a, a Stephen Mitchell. Or Stephen Mitchell is, his game was just silk. It was being all silky, finesse. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. For, or, or, for sure. Or Burnett. Do you yes. say Burnett? Yes, yes. That's his, game, his game was finesse and being silky. That's not what Michael Pittman's game is, and that's not what Juju was. They were they would take a hit as much as they would give a hit. So, um, though I, I think that that works for Michael Pittman. So, Aussie rules. Yeah, I like that pick. All I right. do. We got a bunch more questions. We're, we're gonna get to those right now. We'll, we'll be right back. Let's go to a tweet from Master of Gap. If everything goes wrong for USC and Clay Helton gets fired. Do you want Dante Williams to stay since he is a good recruiter? Alicia, let's say the answer on three. One, two, three. Yes. yes. All right. That uh, is the that is the biggest any any coach who comes to USC to replace Clay Helton. The only way that Dante Williams isn't their first order of business in keeping him around is if they already have like the best cornerbacks coach in the country. And I don't know who that would yeah. be. So like maybe you get Urban Meyer and he brings along some great cornerback coach that everyone else is cool with. Like, and you still try to find a way to have Dante Williams on your staff. Like, that's- I, I think the, the example here is, um, remember when Sark got hired and he brought in Wilcox and there was the debate, do you keep Clancy Pendergast or do you go with Justin Wilcox? I said you go with Justin Wilcox because he's comfortable working with Sark, and ju- and all the hype was how good Justin Wilcox was. And to be fair, I think his track record is that he's very good as a defensive coordinator in everything but his two years at USC, uh, which is just bizarre, right? But the the point is, I think that's the case where you make a change. If someone comes in who has good rapport with that coach at that position, then you know if you. If it's tit for tat and it's someone that that's comparable, okay, that's the head coach that's going to matter more, anyways. Uh, go with it. Otherwise, yeah, you're going to want to spend as much money as possible to keep Dante Williams, especially when he's the the guy that is out here uh, as the the catalyst behind this whole take the take back the West thing. And if SC can land it and can land this recruiting class, then yeah, you're going to want him around. As long as you possibly could. So um, that's something you need to prioritize if you're the Trojans. Uh, let's go to an email from Randy. Uh, according to Alicia's theory, if USC is the bad season, her favorite club, Liverpool, will have success on the pitch. If USC does good, then Liverpool does bad. If the Premier League gets canceled this season and no champion is crowned, please, thank God, I hope that happens. Uh, just, cause it, just just for the LOLs. Uh, this is me interjecting, not Randy. Uh, Randy continues, I would imagine it would be the ultimate heartbreak for Liverpool fans. Exactly, which is why it'd be so funny. Uh, if Elysia's theory is true, then what would be the opposite result for the Trojans? An unprecedented run into the playoffs? Let me know what you think. Best wishes and stay safe, Randy. Randy, you have hit on exactly why I think that this might be a really good season for USC. 
because USC made all these good hires in the spring and all of a sudden a like okay Liverpool was so far ahead in the in the Premier League that it took a catastrophe a worldwide pandemic that hasn't been seen in a hundred years to stop Liverpool from winning the title outright. It's glorious. Yeah. So on the one hand, um, it, it doesn't really even matter if the league gets canceled and no champion is crowned, which is absolutely dumb. Um, I saw a good a tweet addressing this the other day that was like, so all of the opposing fans who want Liverpool to not have the season crowned, that's cool. But only if you guys are all okay with, uh, Accepting that Liverpool, um, because or Liverpool can't win the title because they didn't win it mathematically. Uh, that's cool if you agree to the fact that Liverpool is the only team that qualified for the Champions League because they were the only one that did it mathematically. So y'all can stay out of Europe next year. Um, it doesn't even work that way. I mean, literally, if you're talking about mathematical, Liverpool is the only team that qualified for the Champions League math- mathematically. Okay. Okay. Um, okay, but the point is. The season being can like canceled, continued, the title being awarded, whatever it, it is, it's already a big bummer for Liverpool fans. Like imagine if you were a USC fan and 2000, 2003 comes along and USC is, is getting ready to play in the Rose Bowl and it's super exciting. Um, but all of a sudden there's this pandemic that means that you can't play any of these games. So then the AP just awards you the title and you're like, Okay, that's cool, but also I'm stuck in quarantine right now and I can't go celebrate with my friends. I can't go to, you know, to the game to watch it. I can't have the party and have the experience of that celebration. Well, you're you're excited that you won the title. It's certainly a positive thing. You're happy about it, but you've already lost something. You've already lost the emotion and the moment and the and the the explosion of 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 the vibes and the energy that come with you know, winning a title is why we enjoy sports. That's why we don't just track things on a piece of paper because it's not as fun, right? So in that case, Liverpool has already lost something, which brings me to USC because Liverpool has already lost something, whether or not they give you the title on paper or not. So USC is absolutely set up to have a big year because of the the difficulties that Liverpool has had uh, from uh, specifically as far as the The, the, the difficulties. Are we talking about the... Uh, the- the commercials for every business right now, the difficulties. Oh my gosh. How cringe are all of those, by the way? I saw. During the difficulties. Yeah. I saw a tweet that was like, we're all in this together. We're struggling. Well, this, these are difficult times. Also, go buy a $90,000 Mercedes. It's like, guys, stop. I know you have to do it, but also, it, it, it's, I'm over all of it. I'm over it all. So. Long story short, too long, didn't listen. Uh, yes, USC is in great position, specifically because Liverpool has had uh, their their title season pulled out from underneath them. Yes. All right. Go uh, book, book those tickets to the national title again that we're not even sure is going to get played this year. Do it. All right. I think this is optimistic, Alicia, out in full force, by the way. Uh, let's go to an email we got from Gare Bear. Uh, so USC has improved. It's 2021 recruiting class if they cancel the 2020 season will that minimize the 2020 recruiting class basically is there seems that there is no expectations for the 2020 class to perform and they will likely be blended into the 2021 class does that raise the average also he has another question 
what app or platform do you play the Geo World games with? Thanks again, Garebear. Uh, so the the first question, I like that idea. I think it's a it's a good a good thing to note, a good thing to think about. Uh, the sense that everyone in that class is now is going to redshirt more or less. I think the 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 counter I would put on that is maybe it maximizes it too because you have a situation where those three star guys who you needed to develop are losing a year of practice potentially. Like if USC isn't back to practice. It isn't if they're not playing in the fall, it's that means they're not practicing in the fall. That means all of these guys will have been out of football for a year, lost a year of their development, and whether or not they get that year back and how red shirts or, or not will work, I don't think eligibility will be ultimately um, taken away from any of these guys. But you are delaying their development. So, right, but but I, th- I think he's insinuating that you're adding the 2020 class, 21 guys, so right? You're getting the but so is everyone else. And that's and right. that would be my like that would be my biggest pushback is yes, you can mask the 21 the 2020 class and treat the 2020 and 21 classes as one in the same as a sort of a combo class, but that just means that we're grading it all based on the average, right? So you take a, a top 5 class and a 55th class and you put them together and you get, you know, something in the 25 range compared to everybody else in the country. Well, it's better than it looked, but also you're still behind the Ohio States and the Alabamas and the Clemsons of the world, which is really where your problem is. I guess the bigger question is how far behind the UCLA's and organs of the world would you be? Because the the conference competition is certainly a factor in there. But like I said, everyone else will also have their 2020 class and their 2021 class comboed together. So you come out pretty much even. Yeah, I, I think the only way that this fully benefits USC is if the 2020 class and the 2021 class essentially combine, like like Gare Bear mentions, when the 2020 season is canceled and then nobody exhausts any eligibility and the roster expands. And, and then you're able to have all those guys come back and instead of 85 an 85-man roster, you have 105, right? Because uh, you're, then you're, you're keeping everybody that you have and you're adding the 2021 class or whatever it is. If that happens, yeah, I think you can look at it and say SC got some advantage because the key is all the talent that they have now on this team can leave after this season. Amon Ross St. Brown, Tyler Vons, um, uh, all those running backs with the exception of Keenan Christen. So, uh, Stephen Carr, uh, Vimel Pei, Marquis Stepp, um, just about everybody on the offensive line, everyone on your defensive line, most of your linebackers, your best players in the secondary, they can all leave after this season. The, the only guys who can't leave are guys like Drake London and Keaton Slovis and, and Drake Jackson and Keenan Christen. Everyone else can leave because they'll be draft eligible. So if those guys leave and uh, you're able to bring in the 2021 class immediately, a good 2021 class, it helps. But that's still a detriment. You need those guys to stay and add on 2021 to get the ultimate benefit. Otherwise, it's you're still hamstrung by 2020. Yeah, and the, the fact of the matter is, it's so hard to even project how any of this will work out because no one still knows yeah. how any of this will work out. 
Um, we like even they could cancel this season. They could push it to the spring. They could play it out this fall. They could do it conference only. They could. There's there's a thousand different ways, and and each player will be different too. Some players will come out of this for the better, and some players will come out of this for the worse. It's just so many moving pieces. I I struggle to even say one one way or another because I can see it from both both ends how this helps and how it hurts and balancing that out is all dependent on the individuals that are that are taking part yep yes indeed uh the the geogesser question is geogesser.com g-e-o-g-u-e-s-s-r.com uh no second e in the word geogesser uh that's where we play all those games and they're super fun uh and we highly recommend them because uh I'm a geography nerd, and I'm slowly but surely getting Alicia to uh, to get on the train. Hey, I beat you in a round. You don't need to tell them the other that. day. You don't, yesterday. They don't need to know that. I did. It was it was marvelous. Shh, it was glorious. Shh. shh. I beat Geo Wizard too. They don't need to know. You did beat Geo Wizard. Yeah. To be fair. Yeah. yeah. I, I he completely. He I think he missed up the point, and yeah. he was being lazy, but. I still beat him, so it's okay. There you go. Uh, there you go, indeed. Anyways, that's going to wrap up this episode, uh, this mailbag. Uh, thanks for listening, as always. Give us your, your emails, ranfrontfansi.com, and your phone number, uh, or our phone number is 213-373-1USC. Alicia forgot it. Uh, 213-373-1872. Give us your voicemails, and uh, we'll put together a mailbag for next week. Until then, we'll be back with the main show uh, next week, along with a bunch of stuff that's going up currently over on Patreon, patreon.com slash Reign of Troy. Uh, until then, Alicia, you got a final word? The final word is geography, as in geography was never my subject, but I'm getting better with practice. You certainly are, and uh, I'm proud of you for it. I know where Indonesia is now. There you go. Yeah. I even know oh. where, where a city in Indonesia, several cities in Indonesia are now. Okay, here's 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 a question for you. Indonesia, where do they rank in the world in terms of population? Oh, I have no idea. All right, we'll, we'll see. It's a huge country. That's part of the problem. Like, it's a huge country made up of islands that are all vaguely in the same vague general What, what if I told vicinity? you that they were the fourth most populated country in the I world? would believe it because it's a huge country. There you and go. densely populated cities. There so, you go, indeed. Yep. All right, folks, we'll, we'll, we'll catch you next time. See ya. See ya. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Place your money line 
prop or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.